welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me are Senior Journalist Richard. Aloha. And Managing Editor, Head of Video, Matt. Hello. This week, we're discussing the Subaru WRX that everyone loves to love. That's right, the 2022 Rex STI. We'll look at three entries to the Cars Guide garage from the past week. And we'll catch up with the world's second richest person. Yep, Bezos has knocked the deal leader off um, in this week's must watch. Remember, you can jump ahead courtesy of the time codes in the notes below, and you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. And first of all, it's a story that uh, our own Chesto authored during the week. The new WRX targets world's most powerful four-cylinder engine, Subaru's 295-kilowatt monster just 12 months away. <laughs> oh, man. So... Um, I suppose it's just Subaru is continuing on with WRX and an STI version. And the reports Chesto has gotten on to say that they're aiming for 295 kilowatts in a 2.4 litre four-cylinder engine. Now, bear in mind that is close to 400 horsepower. And in terms of uh, targets, the world's most powerful four-cylinder, it's not necessarily the case that they want to have that they want to target Merck AMG's engine, which is uh, up at 310 kilowatts for a two-litre turbo engine. No. That's 415 horsepower, and it makes 500 newton metres. So yeah. we're getting into an amazing four-cylinder arms race um, in the all-wheel drive, hot hatch sedan mm. type world, which I think is kind of amazing. What do you guys think? It's well, not an arms race. No. <laughs> see, Subaru thinks it's an arms race. But okay. see, is kind of like the American soldier that's still hiding in the jungle thinking that World War II is still going on. See, ever since the Lancer Evo departed, uh, for some reason, the right. Subaru still thinks it's got a fight to fight. There's no chance it's going to take on the A45. Not in a, not in a, not in a blue moon. I'm just so, thinking of that person in the jungle, the very yeah. old man now. Yes, um, very old. Still operating under but that still, But still focused. <laughs> and, that's exactly, and that is Subaru. They're, they're still in the jungle thinking that there's a Lancer Evo out there, and it's not. You can come right. out now, the war's over, Subaru. <laughs> that's an Cut it out. Point. Yeah, yeah. Campbell? Um, I think, Richard, you are partially correct. Um, I think that there's still something to be said for brands pursuing the ultimate in their own engineering self and you know pushing the limits of what a, a boxer engine is capable of um, a 2.4 liter uh, four-cylinder engine um, yeah you're right jc the two liter in the merc is a smaller capacity and offers insane outputs um, and no one i mean i think mercedes thinks that they have to better themselves every single time they do something new yeah. um, and yeah. you know good on them for that um, mm -hmm. at the expense of what uh, you know, could it be longevity, uh, durability? Um, yep. Who knows? But I sometimes think that crackles and pops out of your exhaust pipe could be a, you know, a, a cylinder like a piston <laughs> punching its way through the block. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, yeah. well, it doesn't seem that there's been any any such issues. But yeah, I think um, the the uh, interesting thing about this is there's still going to be two versions of WRX and then the step up to STI. Yeah. Um, so you've got the traditional uh, WRX, which will still be a very fast and, you know, hopefully very fun car. Um, 
based on everything we've learned about this new platform with Subaru, um, the new global platform, the cars drive really well. Um, they might not be the most engaging cars to drive and hopefully yeah. they have some tricks up their sleeve to tune some more fun into the drive experience. Right. Um, but I was uh, part of the Subaru Outback uh, press event this week and um, they let slip a couple of things about new WRX and STI. Firstly, new WRX, we know it's coming in 2021, so this year. Um, yep. STI will be later on, um, yep. but WRX, um, now, the bit of a uh, sort of mixed message here. Um, whisper, 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 okay. until they don't hear. Uh, it will stick to the core of Subaru DNA, right? Ugh. This new this new WRX, but expect the unexpected. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> so, we, so we need a pair of jean shears or something to uh, rearrange the DNA. It's going stick to stick to the to core. It. Stick to yeah. the core. Stick what the heck core does that mean? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think mean? it means non-linear throttle response. I think it means you just get a big whoosh <laughs> yeah. of turbo. The whoosh bang. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the whoosh bang. Yeah. Does so, it mean, is the unexpected that they won't use a CVT in the future? Well, interesting you mentioned that because uh, the... So I'd like to have you guys have a guess about what the take-up of uh, CVTs in WRXs is. Any percentage? Uh, have, a, have a guess. The take-up uh, of CVT in any WRX? Like is uh, I'd percentage. say 80-20, 80 um, manual, 20% CVT. I was going to say 15% order, like CVT. Okay. Mine's prepare to be blown. It's about 70% automatic in the current generation. No. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so disappointing. I didn't yep. realise there were that many idiots. In it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, okay. This is the thing. They uh, they have suggested, the Subaru Australia team have told me that um, the automatic take-up has been much higher than they expected. You know, it's a CVT automatic and a WRX. They yeah. don't, those worlds do not gel in it my mind. To. No, no. Um, but they've said that it's gone beyond their expectations. It's been the best-selling generation of WRX ever. Um, and it's attracted new people to the brand because um, they might not have otherwise considered a, a WRX if it was manual only. That's so interesting because, you know, one of the things a WRX STI would have over an AMG 45S, you know, for example, is the opportunity to have a manual gearbox mm -hmm. um, instead of an auto transmission or, you know, of whatever stripe. Yep. Um, um, that's really surprising. And I think that's, that's such a low ratio. That's the different tiers of WRX and STI. The STI is that hardcore. Oh, okay. And according to Chesto's report, the, the STI will remain manual only. So uh -huh. there won't yeah. be a CVT there, which is, yeah. I mean, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things that, you know, there's, there's customer yeah. demand for automatics uh, in performance cars. And because people want to be able to just plant their foot and zoom, and that's what these sorts of cars allow are, them. Are we seeing is this a is this a wider problem in that people aren't yep. people don't know how to drive? I had problem. exactly the same thought, Richard. I reckon I reckon you're possibly onto something there. That we're we're seeing a, a generation of mm. drivers wash through that aren't comfortable with driving a manual uh, car. Because in my mind, not being able to drive a manual is like not being able to write with a pen. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, sure, we all right. write on keyboards now, but, you know, you've got to learn to write with a pen first. Right? Got you, got you, got you. Mm. That's a really good analogy. Yes. I mean, um, there, there's a lot of joy 
in driving with a manual gearbox. Yep. There can be with a really great dual clutch. I like it with the paddles on the wheel and you're, you're really having a bit of a go. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it complements what you're doing. There's, there's good things to be said about both options, but I agree mm. with you, Richard. I, I, I'm for save the manuals. You know, I've been a subscriber to car and drivers campaign in the US that they've been running for yonks, which is all about save the manuals. I think there's a lot to be said for that. It's so much more engaging, especially with a car, with a performance car. I mean, I totally get it if you're driving a Subaru Brumby and, you know, I've driven Subaru Brumbies before, like the one behind you, Matt Campbell, mm -hmm. with a manual and in, you know, traffic in the CBD, it's not fun. No. Um, but no. when you're in a WRX STI and you've got a manual, it just makes the experience or even just a regular WRX, it just makes the experience so much more engaging and fun. Actually, the, the manuals in those older Subarus, like the Brumby and the Leone and, and uh, ones of that era, I want to say 70s, maybe, mm -hmm. um, late 70s, uh, it was so mechanical. There was, <laughs> yeah. there was no kind of refinement at all. No. You could feel no. the gears meshing through <laughs> yeah. your hand. It was yeah. really quite quite physical. Um, yeah. And there's a lot to be said for that too, you know. And mm. I, um, I was a, a WRX owner uh, once upon a time. I owned a 98 model uh, hatch, the wagon style yep. hatch. And yep. I love that car. Really cool body Love that car yep. so much. Um, and yep. the manual shift was, you know, um, combined with the turbo lag and the whoosh effect and the big exhaust that put on it and the cold air intake and all that sort of stuff. All <laughs> legal, all legal, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you wrapped it fluorescent orange. No, no, no. It was, it was um, reddish blue. It was quite a rare colour. Okay. Reddish um, okay. blue. Reddish blue, yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I think um, people like me are of a certain age where they owned one of those cars in their, say, early 20s. Um, I'm now in my mid thirties, uh, and I'm looking for, you know, maybe a wagon or yep. maybe a, an SUV that lives up to that WRX-ness. Um, mm. and I guess that, um, for a lot of people that before was uh, Forrester GT or Forrester XT, um, but they've told us now that they have no interest in offering a turbocharged version of the Forrester, but they are looking at a turbo version of the Outback, which they see oh. as a better fit. Now, no. for me, I think they've got it the wrong way around. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think um, so too. I mean, you'd bring the XV into that picture as well and maybe do course. something with it, you know? I pitched to them. <laughs> this was years ago. Like, <laughs> when, the first, when the did first you, generation... Did you wear a suit? Did you go in with it? Did you have like big slides? And it stuff? was like Shark Tank. It was really cool. <laughs> oh. um, they told me to get out. Um, so, no, but when the Security. first generation um, XV arrived mm. uh, at the Australian launch, I was talking to the product people. I'm saying, you you guys, are you pushing for a WRXV? Because that's yeah. where the market will move. You know, the performance yeah. SUV is where the market's going to go. Now, we're seeing it happening. Um, it's maybe not, uh, maybe I was a few years ahead of the time. No, as um, you always are, though. You yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Look, you should see the fashions that I rock uh, when I'm not wearing <laughs> the Cars Guide gear. You're into, you're into the... The raver, the raver style trousers, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, I've got so many pockets. Um, Just break so... out the glow stick now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but I honestly, I wonder whether you guys feel the same way about, is Outback the wrong thing to have a turbo and Forrester should be the car they're focusing on with that? I reckon just um, gut reaction to mm. that. Uh, yeah, I reckon Outback is not the right uh, 
um, option. No. But something like an XV with more of a performance focus would serve them pretty well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The Outback is the hearse of Subarus. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, I know that sounds pretty morbid, but it is. It's big and long and it's kind of just, you know, for carrying stuff. And by the same token, what do we know? We thought everyone was mm. buying manual WRXs. Oh, we don't know anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very interesting. So I suppose at the least uh, we can say that it looks like um, the WRX, which we're expecting this year, um, will have that 2.4-litre engine, but the STI will dial it up to, to 10 and 11 um, mm-hmm. in 2022 probably. Um, and it'll be manual. There'll be a, I presume there'll be a choice of manual and CVT again in the WRX. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we might be seeing a generation of non-manual drivers purely because there are so few manual cars available. And even in the, the used car market, the autos are just washing through and, and getting rid of a lot of, of manuals. You know, it's kind of sad. Oh, look. Sorry, Matt, you were going to say? I was going to say, you, your analogy about handwriting um, and learning to write with your hand rather than learning, like, like how that equates to learning a driver manual. I'm just yeah. glad that um, people with handwriting like mine aren't driving on the road. Wow. Because, wow. Yeah. What a disaster. Well, they're in, they're in Dash Cam Owners Australia videos on YouTube. They are. Which is a, <laughs> a fantastic rabbit hole to go down, I must admit. Yeah. To be honest with you, look, I think it's good. I think I, I'm, you know, I'm a petrol head myself and I love seeing um, increases in horsepower, especially in small capacity engines, which can almost produce 400 horsepower. That's outrageous. But I really think that the fight for A45 is really to do with Audi's, you know, um, uh, you know yeah, RS3 cool. and, um, you know, BMW's, you know, one and two series. It's, it's, it's like... It's, yeah, it's like the pub pub fight where there are three yes. big blokes going at it. Yeah. Hammer and tongs over yeah. there and you're like, yeah. Come on, I have you. Yeah, exactly right. It's the pub fight with, you know, Conor McGregor and Caleb, um, you know, um, Nuremberg. I've forgotten his last name. Um, and then yeah. you've got the local the local who walks into the Dungog RSL and goes, I'll take you on. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. might be big in Dungog, but yeah. maybe not on a world scale. I mean, better, known Bogan, better known as Bogan Jesus. Oh, <laughs> yes. Come on, everyone. Yes. Um, Can yeah. we get a T-shirt that says "I'm big in Dungog"? I'm big in Dungog. <laughs> no, look, yes. um, fabulous. Dougie Walters walks on water. Great Australian all-round cricket player comes from yes. Dungog. Yes, very good town. Shout out to Doug. What a great bloke. Anyway, how Shout did we Doug. get to Doug Walters from <laughs> Subaru WRX STIs? Anyway, that's where we will leave it. But thank you uh, very much for that discussion. It'd be great to hear what people make of all of that, uh, whether the WRX and the high-performance version is still in your kind of orbit, whether it's something you aspire to or despise, uh, let us know what you think. That'd be that'd be fantastic. But we'll move to our garage. And Richard, yes. I'd like to start with you, please. And yes. you've been driving a Hyundai. That's you've right. You've been at the more affordable end of things. Can you let us know what you've been driving, please? Oh, yeah. Look, I've been driving a lot of Hyundais lately, but it's been a quite a long time it's probably been about a year since i've driven an i30 so and that's because the world's gone suv crazy so we've had the hyundai kona and we've had santa fe's and we've had you know palisades and and everything else yeah yeah everything else and um and it's getting back into just a base grade it's an entry-level hyundai i30 reminded me of how good cars were and i'm i mean cars as opposed to suvs um i've 
really only driven it for a, a day or so, but um, the, the 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 handling and 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 you know the the, the performance of the uh, on road performance of a hatch is so different to a hatch which has been converted into an SUV, and I've really really missed it. This entry grade, so they've taken out the old entry grade and they've and they've shuffled the line down a bit. So the new entry grade gets stuff like alloy wheels. I actually thought that they gave me the wrong car when I picked it up yesterday because I'm looking at the wheels, going, "This is the base spec." <laughs> um, so you get inside, and it is a little bit base specy inside as well. But there's there's soft touch surfaces on the elbow pads, which is good. Hyundai and Kia are both quite uh, notorious for entry grades being quite hard plastics on the inside. And the, the, the Celtos, the Kia Celtos, for instance, oh, wears your, I, your elbows I hate, out. I yeah. hate sore mm. elbow syndrome. Yes. I absolutely hate that. Well, the, the uh, entry grade... SES. Yes, elbow SES. Syndrome. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a genuine uh, disease. Yeah. Disorder. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, no SES in the entry grade I-30. It's got padded elbow rests. Um, it's pretty well appointed. Uh, but yeah, I've just got to say, just you know, driving it around for the last 24 hours, it's been um, a bit of a refresher course in what it's like not to drive a car that's on stilts. So um, yeah, I've, I'm going to spend the next week with that. Um, I'm writing the new range review because it's an updated range. It's got a new look and uh, that'll be coming out next week. So look forward to that. Where do you that. stand, Richard, on the Hyundai versus Kia kind of uh, design thing? I mean, obviously yeah. they're under the one roof mm. and they're both heading in pretty distinctive directions in terms of the way they look. Where do you put the i30 in the scheme of things? I, I think Kia's actually got the, the the edge over Hyundai in terms of the design stakes at the moment. I think I the I Kia Sorento is a, a really, really good looking thing. And I think... Uh, uh, I, Hyundai seem to be trying to uh, mix things up a little bit. You're, we're, we're seeing grills which are different across the entire family, and that's kind of a departure from like traditional um, auto manufacturers who try to keep the, the same family face. So we're seeing you know Palisades with different looks to uh, you know Santa Fe's to i30s. Um, I'm not really sold on and you'll see it if you're watching on youtube uh the, the i30 that i'm driving at the moment the new face of the i30 i don't i don't know let us know what you think yeah, um cool. but yeah i think i think kia's got the edge at the moment so yeah i totally agree I think, even yeah. even the carnival shout out to justin yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah agree now thank you very much richard thank um, you uh matt we'll move to you and yep completely different style of vehicle which uh i happen to have a soft spot for tell us all about it please volkswagen transporter so um there's a lot to the transporter uh if you're unaware it's a commercial van um but uh it spins off in a few different derivatives you can get it as a a two-seat van or as a five-seat crew van or as a three-seat single cab chassis ute or as a six-seat dual cab chassis ute. Um, and then they spin it off into people mover derivatives as well. So there's the multi-van. Um, there's also a uh, Caravelle, which is a nine-seater. Um, so there's there's multiple ways that you can uh, basically get your transport. It's that one, Matt, that you mentioned. I think it was the crew uh, cab uh, chassis with the tray on the back. That's the one that will be at the Shannon's auctions in 35 years, uh, where yeah. people will be going yeah. nuts to get it. Yes, yeah. yes. I uh, I did drive one of the crew cab ah. chassis versions with 500 kilos in the back, and right. um, they come standard with a really clever tray. Uh, the cab chassis models um, with you know the proper flip down sides, the backs, the back um, 
sort of tailgate uh, has a step on it as well. So a flip down step, so you can get in and out a bit easier. Um, and they're, you know, really high quality feeling trays. Um, it, it, that The one I drove was the TDI 454 motion with a seven speed DSG. Wow. Um, so it's all wheel drive with 450 Newton meters uh yeah. and a dual clutch so it's basically a performance car uh, yeah. yeah yeah but it's just the most practical performance car you can buy um but i imagine the gearing and where where you start to get your torque means that it would be very handy in terms of with that load on board did, how, yeah. how did it go oh extreme like it didn't even feel it you know like yeah, right. 500 kilos was like whatever um yeah and wow. i think that's uh one of the things that i've i've found myself thinking more and more um, with Volkswagen and, you know, most dual clutch uh, applications in that sense is um, that they work best when they're diesel, they work best when they're um, commercial vehicle focused because um, they, they seem to have this um, gearing and management of traction that just sort of allows you to get away from the line quickly and without much fuss. Uh, whereas in some of the small capacity petrol engines with dual clutch transmissions, you sort of find yourself having that moment of the engine start stop, the turbo lag, the transmission figuring out what happens next, and then you go. Mm. Whereas in these sorts of diesel applications, it's much more, I guess, user friendly. And so there are a few different powertrains available, um, all diesel. Um, so there's uh, a, a TDI 250, which is an 81 kilowatt uh, two liter engine with a five speed manual. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Only uh, a five-speed. Actually, manual. maybe that's the one that'll be in the classic car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not many people are going to buy that one. No, um, no, and that's the that's the other thing. Like, there's a there's a TDI three forty above that, which is a single turbo diesel two liter as well, um, with one hundred and ten kilowatts and three forty newton meters, um, and then the two liter twin turbo TDI four fifty. Yeah, um, yeah, which is the same engine as you get in a two liter Amarok. Amarok, um, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, it sounds familiar. Yep. So there's a few different derivatives there to choose from. You've got the the van, basically you can build it to your spec. Um, so you get like, uh, if you buy a, a, a TDI 340, you can have it as manual or auto. You can choose whether you want um, lining in the back of it, whether you want a bulkhead, whether you want doors on both sides or just the curb side, whether you want barn doors, what about, what high about roof. Thick pole carpet and a heart-shaped divider, and Ooh, so yeah. you know, a mirror, mirror ball in the back. You might have to go to a different place, uh, maybe in Western Sydney, to uh, get <laughs> sorted out. Yeah, Specialising that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to the last when when the, um, the that generation before came out. I went to that to, to that launch, Matt. And I've got to say, it's one of the most difficult reviews to write because there's oh. so many variants. Oh wow. my goodness! Wow. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like you can you can essentially take say a $45,000 van and spec it as such because there's so much choice and option ability, you can spec it up to about seventy-five dollars or $80,000 yep. if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and that's, I guess, the one of the strengths of the transporter is that you can build it to suit your needs, right. whereas some of the other vans out there are a bit more, this is what you get. You know, yeah, like yeah, for example, yeah. the Toyota Hiace, you still can't get that. It might be the best selling van in the country, but you still can't get it with barn doors at the back, which right. rules it out for a lot of people who like to foreclose uh, loads into the back with yeah. a forklift because yeah. you, you can't, can't get, to get it. underneath it. So, yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting band, uh, a complex range, as you say, Richard. Uh, yeah. But um, with the review, if it's not live already, it'll be live very soon. So keep an well, eye it's interesting it. too, isn't it? As a commercial, if you're a business and you're running a particular vehicle and you're sending a message with the vehicle that you've bought, you've signed, written your van or whatever mm. it is, I always think uh, a Volkswagen Transport is such a great choice because it's saying we're quality, but we're yep. not we're not up ourselves. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. I think that's possibly why X Class Merc uh, yes. didn't, didn't fire. Yes. because you're sending a message that oh we're doing too well here. Well, um, that's you, it. You, you know, if, you don't want to send that message. If you're a florist and you turn up in a V-Class Mercedes Benz, it's like, well, hang on, you're charging oh, a bit oh, much for your yeah, petunias. Right. You know what that's I mean? That's why this bunch of roses are <laughs> yes, 170 bucks. That's right. But if you turn up in a Volkswagen right van, it's yeah. like, oh, look, he's doing well enough to be able to afford that. Yeah. But at the same time, obviously making a good deal for me that he can't exactly. afford Exactly. I think it's the perfect choice from a brand <laughs> Kind of positioning point of view. <laughs> I think yeah. for a family perspective as well, uh, we had one, um, you know, a year or so back. And um, look, I really think vans are for you know people who are in who who aren't in denial. Uh, there are, right. there are there are some families who are trying to squeeze themselves into SUVs yeah. that are so called seven seat SUVs, which is not, which is a five yeah. with two extra little spots you can squish kids into. Mm. But a van is, um, it's it's really what you need. You're embracing um, you know, it. Yeah, yeah. You're embracing yeah. it. Our, you know, well, there was one rainy day where we went on a picnic and we couldn't even get out of the van. So we just had the picnic in the van. You could swivel yeah. the seats around yeah. and just yeah. have it in there. And, you know, I think for a family with three kids or four kids, you know, it's yeah. it's your only choice. I've really. done exactly the same thing because all I can think of is uh, flaky puff pastry because we were eating lunch <laughs> yes. inside the van. I think oh, I'm going to have to vacuum this out afterwards. But yeah. it's, you're right. You, it's yeah. very livable in that sense. Yes. Yeah. 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 And um, multivan, so that's the, the mm. people mover derivative. Mm. Um, there's a bunch of new different specs of multivan, including uh, a couple called the Cruise Grade, which have, um, and they've gone with a much more more, I guess, eye-catching colour um, combination and a few different options there. We will have a family review of that van coming up right. in a couple of weeks' time um, by yeah. Nadal, so keep yeah. an eye out for that. And we've also got Crafty doing the California, which oh. is the camper van version of the new van. I was going to say... Crafty in his boardies in a singlet with the... Uh. You know, Oh yeah, this, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. You've got to see it to believe it. Any news on Combi? I know they keep rolling that name out, but are we ever going to see a real Combi? So they uh, have used um, like a modern day Combi as their theme for this yeah. new or T six point one generation of yes. the multi van. Yeah, um, and. I think maybe the the real moment will be when the T7 transporter arrives, which yep. will have, uh, it'll be in a couple of years probably for us, um, it'll have electrification as a key pillar to it. And I think that that's where we'll see maybe, you know, they call it bully in yeah. yes. uh, Germany or, yeah. or combi. Um, so we might see uh, a bit more retro um, marketing around that. And it, those I, bully, I don't know. Those bully concepts, I think there's been two of them. Yeah, um, they both look fantastic, and everybody yeah, gets fired do. up, and there's a lot of buzz about it, and then it hasn't seemed to go anywhere. No, yeah. it's worse than a Subaru Comgen of you know of a, of a car that's going to be coming out that doesn't. You know, I think we yeah. saw 2013. We saw the, or it might have been yeah, around about then we saw the bully concept come out. It was like a you know red and white one, and that was supposed to be all electric, and that didn't really happen. And beyond yeah. the motor show, and we've seen more and you know other examples of that over the years, but nothing. On our roads, and they need to get to it because you know yeah. the the original owners of the combis um, 
might not be around that much longer. You know? well, look, <laughs> so, Matt, yeah. maybe you could dust off your Subaru presentation and just book an appointment with Volkswagen and yeah. get them cracking on it. Yeah. You know, I, think, I think, yeah. With your easel, with your big carts. Yep. Yep. This is you. This is where you want to be. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. Oh, good, good, good. Do it in like 70s gear for like a combi sort of themed. I've got quite the outfit for that. Well, you, you know, do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's not go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's, that is all very exciting. Um, looking forward to maybe having a steer at one of those yeah, um, yeah. in coming coming weeks and months, but that's uh, that's very exciting. I'll, I'll just finish things off. Um, I had the opportunity to drive the Merck AMG E63S, which is an update, uh, really. Um, it's the four-litre twin-turbo uh, V8. That stays the same. 450 kilowatts, which is just a lazy 612 horsepower. Um, it's 850 newton metres between 25 and 4,500, so just this beautiful, oh. thick, broad band of mega torque um not nine-speed auto which helps keep you in that in that zone uh, as well all-wheel drive of course formatic plus and it's about 250k so it's competing with things like an rs7 audi sportback um a bmw m5 competition and although it's a little dearer uh, a porsche panamera gts so it's in it's just got this Germanness around it. Yeah. You were talking before, Richard, about the, the smaller AMGs. It is a bit of an internal fight uh, domestically with these German brands. But the thing about this car is customers apparently had told AMG, we want it to be a bit more comfortable. We want to be able to dial in more comfort to go with all this fire and brimstone. And I think they've absolutely got it right because yeah. um, the adaptive suspension, it's an air suspension with adaptive dampers and your ability to go from comfort, which is very comfortable um, to a much more buttoned down very taut setting it just does it beautifully and mm. seamlessly and the four-wheel drive system has been made uh, a little smoother the way it actually distributes the rear axles permanently driven and then variable torque up to the front axle uh, it does that super beautifully as well so you've just got this ability with the flick of a few switches to change the car's character quite dramatically and it, it goes hard, you know. <laughs> it really does. It's got a lot of performance um, and mega safety. I've just written a review and gave it 10 out of 10 for safety. It's pretty much the, the standard at the moment. Everything you'd want from active bonnet through every assist. I mean, I've got assist uh, overload to all of the, the, the advanced active safety tech that's in the yeah. thing, nine airbags, um, all of these other things, really great from a safety point of view. And I actually found it hard to, to pick many holes with it in it. And the rear door apertures in the current E-Class are quite small. And I think any full-size adult is going to have to kind of fold themselves in and fold themselves out. Once you're in there, it's okay. But just somehow this door aperture is quite awkward and that's a bit of a pain when you've got people going in the rear of the car. The new touch-sensitive controllers on the steering wheel, there's a new steering wheel that's like three dual spokes and it looks very cool, but um, Merck's gone to a different way of, of using those little uh, controllers on the wheel and I find them really fiddly and I, I don't think it's been uh, a step forward. Mm -hmm. And as you might expect, it's just a little bit thirsty. Um, so the, the claim 12.3 litres and I got nearly 18 um, over the time I had with the car, but I was of course, in the line of duty, just exploring its dynamic abilities uh, as well. So, but then a little bit thirsty, but I think it's just a more mature take than the A-Class and its derivatives for AMG, but it's not quite as overbearing as the big GTs and SUVs and what have you. It's a really nice uh, kind of mid-zone and I think it looks great. So mm. I was really impressed with 
very impressed with it. I'm, I'm sort of perplexed as to why those rear doors are so small because we're not talking about a C, you know, a C class here or, you know, a CLA or an A class right. or something like that. They, this is a car which could possibly be used as hire cars. And how is that going to suit, you know, uh, people getting into the back? Uh, yeah. Like well, I, I watched your video and trying to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's close to five, five metres long end to end. Yeah. So it's yeah. quite a length, lengthy yeah. car and three metres of that is wheelbase. Yeah. Yes. So you would think that there'd be enough room to yeah. kind of divvy it up equitably between front and rear doors, but somehow something didn't go quite right. And and for me anyway, it might be different for others. Yeah. I just found it a bit awkward to get. People in have got to see the video because it is like those doors are ridiculously tiny. Mm. Like it's, it just doesn't look right. Um, yeah. Especially you know when even just opening and seeing the aperture they made. This is a yeah. five meter long. The doors car. actually open quite a long way. Yeah, they go out, but that's not the thing. No, it's just the space that you've got yeah, um, to get into. It's large so, you'd like it to be. JC, you didn't point out the biggest uh, shortcoming is that it's only a sedan, hey. right? Yeah, yes. a wagon would be would be amazing. Oh, a wagon um, would just be. It would beautiful. because, yeah. Well, I suppose you just have to slum it and go with an RS six. the greatest vehicle in the world. Yeah. But, um, anyway, um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, driving that car we had it for a few days it was it was a launch drive and yes there's a, a review and a video up now so if you want to have a look at it but um so um was, yeah. if you're dipping into your uh your funds there jc what what are you buying are you buying an rs6 are you buying a, an e63 or an m5 is, is it one that stands out most to you in your me, mind i would buy an rs6 i'm a big yeah. rs6 fan um and i'm a, a, i like wagons yeah. so for me that's a magical combination yeah, I'm I think same. I think RS6 as well. Although the wheels are too big. Yeah, yeah, they, they are. are very but large. What, what was what was there was a, um, a Q8 that we had recently? It had yeah. 23s on it. That's yeah. ridiculous. It looked like a donk straight out of LA. You know, it, it, it's sort of <laughs> just huge wheels on it. Um, that's yeah. incredible. Um, anyway, that was that was what I was driving this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And so now we'll go to a bit of feedback. Uh, from last week. And last week, we were talking about a story that Justin Hilliard had written about Arctic trucks. Now, uh, for those in the know, Arctic trucks build very heavy duty, as the name implies, uh, versions of various utes uh, to, to go into arduous situations, be it Arctic or desert or goodness knows what. And we had uh, feedback from a person called Marini, and we had said that these things were available, the Toyota version anyway, which is the AT35, was available through Toyota dealers in the UK. And Marini says, not just in the UK, they're also made in Finland, here in Finland, so that's where uh, that person is. A few other places all over Europe. And yes, you can buy Arctic trucks from local Toyota dealers, built like the customer wants. So you can pretty much customise it to your specific needs. Uh, not just Toyota, Nissan, Isuzu, and they have official QVM, which is Qualified Vehicle Modifier status with Ford. So they're getting closer and closer to these OEMs. And um, I suppose it still begs the question, wouldn't it be great to have them here? Well, do we need them here? I mean, well, it doesn't, it's not very Arctic. No. <laughs> I mean, it gets no, it, chilly. It'd be a narrow market if you're just talking about people who want to, you know, trundle along to Kosciuszko or something um, yeah. for one month a year. But I think, I think the point being, that if you're in the Middle East or in the outback or, or whatever, they'll build something that's been reinforced, raised, whatever, 
uh, to your uh, specific needs and the manufacturer will give it a stamp of, of approval, which is which is pretty nice. Wow. Look, look, having, look, JC, you and I have sort of come from a background uh, where um, on, on, on a different occasion uh, where we've had to sort of work in, uh, you know, OEM stuff and genuine parts oh, yeah. and that type of stuff. And yeah. that would be um, a kind of a, a legal nightmare in some ways in, in mm. getting that stamp of, of approval. But um, if, it, if you can, that'd be fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives you that imprimatur and mm. customers feel confident about mm. um, going with it uh, mm. for sure. So, you know, come on. It could be interesting. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Oggie Oggie says they'd only Oggie. sell hundreds per month. And I thought, well, that's a lot. If they, yeah. if they managed to sell that's still, um, even a hundred a month, yeah, that'd be That's still that'd millions be of dollars of profit per yeah, year. Exactly. Yeah. Who are, they, are they selling to sort of government organisations and Arctic research mm. survey groups and that type of thing? Or I, d- I don't profess to be an expert, but just going on their website, mm. it's all of that, Richard. It seems yep. like there are some Arctic expeditions. They'll do you a six by four. Um, or maybe it's a six by six, um, mm. must be, um, and change the body, reinforce the chassis, all of those things. So, yes, it would be for all kinds of customers, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, there's obviously a demand there. So, yeah, um, yeah. 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 If, they sold, if they sold hundreds, I think they'd be really happy. But um, Senior Bob, welcome back, Senior. Thanks. Uh, says, Senor. Uh, Toyota has just re-released the V6 4-litre petrol adventure Hilux in the Middle East. Bring it back to Australia, Toyota, with a supercharger, please. Uh, uh, he says, or an LS7, or an LSA, even better. <laughs> Lol. Um, but, and I had a look over on Saudi Arabia's Toyota site. Um, DC Adventure, 4-litre, four 4x4. Four four. It's 175 kilowatts, 376 newton metres. It gets 18-inch 18 18 alloys, um, rear diff lock, car play, lots of kit. And that's 162,610 Saudi Arabian rials. Wow. Right. That sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. It converts to $385. Nearly 56 grand Australian dollars. Nothing. Australian dollars. So it's there, and Senior Bob wants it with a supercharger. So fair enough. And he he also chimed in with why would Ford put a V8 in the 21 Ranger? Uh, It's not like a V8 Ram sells here. Oh. Hang on. Do it, Ford. All caps. Do it, Ford. So, uh, Senior Bob made oh, his, I love Senior uh, Bob. Um, Andrew D says, I think you guys need to go back to the future and oh. check out Marty McFly's Toyota 4Runner. Highlights, yes. I think it was actually an SR. His rig is so far ahead of its time, pun intended. Um, check it out. But then he says, as far as Ford Ranger, Raptor in particular, is concerned, how good would the Barra Turbo be in it? Um, you know, take a look at the YouTuber from Queensland where he and his mates have swapped out the Toyota engine in Land Cruisers with a Barrett Turbo. And look, thank you, Andrew, because I went down this rabbit hole on YouTube where I found actually a guy in Melbourne who's put a Barra swap into a uh, FJ45 body mounted on an 80 series chassis. And he's got a Ford Barra engine in it. And he works for a major OEM down in Melbourne. He is an engineer and he's doing it properly. And it's wow. fantastic. I was going to um, say, that sounds like a Frankenbarra, but oh, it's, it's actually, if it's oh, engineered, yeah. well, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so we'll have a bit of footage of that uh, for people watching on, on YouTube. Awesome. He, so far, is doing a very good job. But TGV, the very fast train, chimed in with, you know, Ranger with a six-turbo, four-litre petrol. Hmm. Would it have been easier to just give the Falcon Ute, the all-wheel drive running gear from the Territory, mm. combined with a rear diff lock, 
shame Forder Australia never entertained that idea. Would have that could have saved. That could have saved a few things for Well, it put, it put me in mind of that XY Falcon four by four that that was the tail end of that X XY model. In fact, overlapped mm. uh, with mm. the XA. Mm. That strangely raised. You know, yes. we'll have a picture up again for people yes. on, on YouTube, but. Uh, and it would, be, it would have been an interesting car. And Ford mm. Australia dabbled in the rugged terrain vehicle, the RTV version of the Falcon Ute, which was still yes. rear-wheel drive but had the diff lock. And it was, you know, it was uh, well-received and, and, and is still a, um, you know, a pretty desirable Ute for a lot of people out there. Um, yep. And, yeah, I think maybe if they'd done the Holden Crewman but as a, a later version in a Ford body, could have yes. done something. I suppose it's it's not to denigrate anybody's point of view, but it's very easy in retrospect, isn't it, to think what mm -hmm. a, what might have been a good move. But if you'd known what was coming, you probably would have gone that roll the dice and, and yes. give something a try, um, yep. rather than trying to shore up what was happening already. You'd be a little more, um, pardon the pun, adventurous. You know? Well, yeah. it's WRXV after all. Um, oh, you know. oh, oh yeah. there it is. Mm. There it is. Mm, a perfect that's... example. Subaru no, lost, um, lost a big chance there. Yep. Amon Nixon made his thoughts uh, plain. All caps, do a review of the 2021 Toyota Prado GX. Wow, that's specific. Yeah, um, so we're understanding orders. I know, and I had a look. I know last year, I think, uh, Matt, you did a GX Prado, but that yep. was a 2020. Mm -hmm. um, which, anyway, look, all we can do is take Amon's uh, thoughts on board. Thanks, Amon. We'll Thank you, Amon. Thanks, thanks Amon. If and there's one available. Let's do it. <laughs> FB, FBG, then it's capital K O U T. So FBG. FBG. I'm, I'm possibly missing something semi obscene there. But anyway, um, he says, Crafty's got to be my favorite four by four journal. Bloke's seen it all twice and mm. tells it straight. He's like a 4B Yoda. So <laughs> I have seen Crafty jump out of a cab while it's still moving, do a barrel roll, and then run off into the traffic for okay. no particular reason. <laughs> That's the type of guy he is. He's the Bruce Willis of Cars Guy. He is, and he does. He's, he's, he's a diehard. Uh, he is. Now, he is. And speaking of diehard, it's time for Musk. Righto. So first up, um, people who will be this last week will realise or remember that uh, Tesla, uh, with the imprimatur of their uh, chief executive, had bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. Mm. Now, according to Yahoo Finance, um, that given the years of net losses from its business, it's possible Tesla made more in profit off of one single $1.5 billion Bitcoin purchase than it did from the profits on its cars in the last decade. So just in a, a kind of cryptocurrency speculation, um, they've picked up more money. So I don't understand any of that <laughs> at all. My mind just doesn't. You know, I know the what the, I know each word you're saying, but it doesn't mean any. What does it mean? <laughs> right. Well, it's all to do with a different currency. <laughs> And monies, like yes. national monies, not cash. Real money. I thought, I thought the, no. I thought the, I thought the ass fell out of Bitcoin. I thought it was all oh, over. I think it's, it's probably still... the, the most uh, stirring roller coaster ride in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it would be the highs and lows, yeah, uh, writ large. But it, de it depends apparently on when Tesla bought its Bitcoin as right. to how much okay. they've 
potentially made. So the least they've made is about 300 million and the most they've made is, is close to a billion. What? Um, so <laughs> it's just ridiculous. This so is... uh, the current Bitcoin price is $48,450. Yeah. That's, a, that's a Bitcoin. Yeah. Is nearly 50 grand Australian. And it was fifty-two thousand uh, dollars early this week, or something. It reached a record level. Um, yeah. But this just fuels that, um, you know, the narrative that Tesla is not a car company; it's an investment no. company and yeah. a data company that just manages no. its money very differently to what well, car companies do. You know what somebody told me the other day? Yeah. Somebody told me that they had a million dollars in Bitcoin. They just can't get to it. Like they. What does that mean? I've lost the login for the website. <laughs> yeah. well, wouldn't that be frustrating? Yeah. You're watching Bitcoin going down and you just want to sell it. Yeah. You can't get into your account. But uh, There was some dude who threw out a hard drive with uh, yes. $17 million worth of Bitcoin on it or something. And he was and offering like a $4 million reward or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Threw out a hard drive. Yeah. yeah. I don't this is what I don't understand. This, this is why I don't get Bitcoin. Right. Is it bits bit as in it's, it's an actual bit, like a bike? Look, I think, and a, I think a part of the idea was um, fractional ownership. So yeah. that you would buy a part of a Bitcoin. Um, is it an actual coin? Is it a coin? No. Is it, is it made out of metal? No. Well, there, there is one that's been photographed somewhere. Yeah. It's a crypto cool. online, you know, digital currency and people decide how much it's going to be worth. So this and is just like shares. It. It's just I mean, imaginary. <laughs> really? Yeah. And people... like, are you buying some now, Richard? Yeah. No, I'm going to be like Joe Rogan's Jamie and look and Google it. Bitcoin, okay. pi- Bitcoin picture. Oh, there's one. There's <laughs> one. <laughs> we'll have a picture up for people watching. Yeah, there we go. So, I'll put that up now. But what it has done is it's yeah. validated the currency. You know, when a when a business like Tesla goes in and buys 1.5 billion dollars worth, hmm. um, other companies now are starting to think about it. Your Googles and your your other business going, ah. Oh. That's actually not a bad way to make a profit. So it becomes more mainstream and more established simply through Elon's decision via Tesla to purchase such a big chunk of it. Yeah. So it's a self-fulfilling thing in a way. He's, he's manipulating the market once again. Oh, my God. But, Society's going to collapse. We're going to go back to... You're going to have to learn to drive manuals again. Yes. We're going back to the beginning. Get your pens fact, out. We might have to learn how to drive a pistol. Get your pens out. Yeah. Manuals and biros all over again. Yeah. <laughs> No, we'll have our feet through the floor like Fred Flintstone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he did through the week on where else but Twitter post a meme mm. that I have to admit, I put my hand up, I did laugh absolutely mm. when I saw it. It's a woman in a hospital bed looking uh, deathly ill and a, a man at the other end, you know, with his hand over his mouth just, and the caption says, Kevin, I'm dying, please stop beatboxing. <laughs> and, and I thought I thought that was funny. Now yes, I, um, I saw that too, and I laughed as well. Laughed as well. <laughs> now, so King Coin says Doge is dying. Stop buying. Okay, got it. Like anything, anything that Elon says is some kind of veiled instruction as to what to do in terms of your investments. Um, Vendetta uh, proved that it's actually an old meme by posting up a manga version of exactly the same thing. Um, and Colab said, this you, and it was Elon in March 19, 2020, based on current trends, probably close to zero new cases in US too by end of April. Yeah. So people were taking offence that he was making a joke about someone that's ill and dying in bed because of 
the tragic state of affairs in terms of coronavirus in America. And it made me sit up straight and think, uh, anyway, like I said, I did laugh. But then Madissa Kazmi said, keep it up with your lame jokes as losing your credibility via coins. So Medusa came in with a late burn there on, on uh, that. But what you can say with authority on the share price is that it is down again. So $798, uh, down nearly 7 bucks. It was 804 and something last week. So it's, it dropped $50 the week before that. So there's a, a distinct trajectory here. And Simon Constable um, in Forbes has said, yes, Tesla stock really is overvalued, which is something you know, various people have been saying for yonks. But it's up 410% in the year through Friday just gone. So for that 12-month that period, mm -hmm. uh, the Standard & Poor's 500 is up 16%. So we're talking 410%, 16%. There's a bit of a disparity there. Uh, the forward-looking price-to-earnings ratio is at 200. That is, it's trading at 200 times next year's profits, next year's projected profits, which is quite a ratio. That's crazy. And according to some Confu research... I'm that, confused. I'm confused. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. That Simon Constable had found says Tesla is 55% likely to fail to meet those required profit levels. Also so confused. He, he, he finished up with <laughs> a, a pretty damning statement. He said, anyone who's played cards knows that it's prudent to fold your hand when the odds are against you. And for investors in Tesla, the time to fold may have come. Oh, that's a bit Ooh. negative. <laughs> yes. He's just said. He's just said the stuff's massively over overpriced. So um, that's that's the position. Put it that way. <laughs> oh, but um, with that, we have reached the finish line, and I want to say thank you, Richard. Thank you. And thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thanks to our head of potatoes, Rasputin impersonator, and freelance sperm donor, Mr. Pritchard. <laughs> for his production plate spinning skills. Uh, today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, if you have a problem, if no one else can help, if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-team. Uh, he's also wearing a high-vis kilt and beer Ooh. socks. Oh, look. Beer socks. Hey, he's been, he's been invading my wardrobe. <laughs> yes. What are beer socks? People, there's a picture on the screen oh, okay. uh, for people on YouTube. It's basically, um, yes, yeah, two tankards of beer that you wear as socks. Uh, awesome. Just ask Mr. Pritchard after the show. Mm. Uh, let us know your thoughts. You can find Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're an Apple podcast listener, please rate and review us. Remember, you can also watch us on YouTube. And if you are already, make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, drove into the city this week to drop off some things to a, to a mate. Uh, took me less than five minutes from the time I parked to be coming out. Whereabouts in the city? Whereabouts in the building, city? Uh, Pitt Street. Okay. Uh, but sure enough, there's a parking ranger riding up a ticket. Mm. So I bowled up to him and said, come on, friend. How about giving a bloke a break? He ignored me and continued riding the ticket. So I said to him, haven't you got anything better to do, you heartless scumbag? <laughs> he glared at me and started writing another ticket for having a bald tyre. So I called him a brain-dead drongo. He Jeez. finished the second ticket and put it on the car with the first. Then he started to write a third ticket. This went on for about 10 minutes. The more I abused him, the more tickets he wrote. 
But hey, I didn't give a damn. My car was parked around the corner. <laughs> oh man, that's like that poor person with all the tickets. 